einer neuen Folge von The Canadian Wants to Know. Ein Podcast für Englischlernende in Deutschland, der kraftvolle Geschichten und anregende Fragen nutzt, damit ihr auf unterhaltsame Weise eure Sprachkenntnisse verbessern, vertiefen und festigen könnt. Hier ist euer Host, The Canadian George Robledo. Welcome to the Canadian Wants to Know podcast. My name is George. On this episode, I'm going to share a few stories from my trips to Cuba. I will tell you a little bit about the culture and the people of this island nation. My first trip to Cuba was in 1999. I was 12 years old and a Cuban friend of my parents invited us to go with her. This was an exciting thing for a 12-year-old. It was my first real trip outside of Canada, and I was just excited for the opportunity to, to see a new culture and new people and be in warm weather. We arrived in a small little village, and I remember there was no running water, no indoor, to indoor toilet. We had to sleep in a mosquito net because of the bugs. There were pigs in the yard, and this was really fun for us because my brothers and I, we had never seen a pig in real life, we're city boys. So this was like, wow, look, it's a pig. This was really, really fun for my brothers and I. It was an, it was an adventure. And like the, the lack of basic necessities, these things didn't bother us. I don't remember that my brothers or I even complained or even thought about it. It was just something new and it was something different. And we're like, cool, right? I have to go outside to go to the bathroom. I have to... Uh, wash myself with a bucket. <laughs> This was really fun. And we met some kids in the village and we went and we played baseball with them. And after a week of being in this village, uh, they took us to the city and the city is, is called Cardenas. It's very close to a resort called uh, Varadero. So if you ever go to Cuba, Varadero is a really, really beautiful, beautiful area. And I remember going to the city, we stayed in the house of a Cuban family and there was no toilet seat, there was no toilet paper. And I thought that was funny, <laughs> but I didn't think too much about it. Then we went to the market and there was nothing. <laughs> it was a market that sold nothing. There was no meat, no vegetables. So that was also very strange. Now I understand, right? It was after the fall of the Soviet Union, Cuba went through a really difficult time. So the economic situation of Cuba was in a very bad state. So a lot of the basic necessities that we have here, they didn't have that in that time period. And then after staying in, in that city, Cardenas, we actually went to that resort, Varadero. It's a very famous place among tourists. I'm sure you can Google it and find pictures it's white sand beaches it's beautiful beautiful but what i found strange even at 12 was that there was a section for tourists and then there was another section for cubans and the cubans were not allowed to interact with tourists i didn't understand that at 12 years old um, because i had spent the previous week and a half with cuban people interacting with them now i know that what we were doing was not allowed it was illegal But, um, yeah, I found that to be a little bit strange that Cubans and the tourists were separated. But after that trip, like, I, I had fun. I enjoyed it. And I fell in love with that country. It was, it was a unique opportunity for us as young kids 
to go to this country and to see a different way of life, very different to the life that I had in Canada. My second trip to Cuba was in 2009. This time we flew to the city of Santiago, and then from there we were taken to a resort. And um, because my parents, they were very friendly, <laughs> they, they love to talk to everyone and they make friends very easily. So my dad, he made friends with a Cuban man and this Cuban man started taking us around to different places. And uh, we wanted to go to the city of Santiago. It was the 50th anniversary of the Cuban Revolution. So we wanted to see the festivities and what the city was like because Santiago was one of the first cities that Fidel Castro, uh, that he was able to take under his control during the war. So it's a very important city in terms of the revolution. And the tourist bus from the resort to the city was $20 for every person. Uh, but the Cuban man, he said, no, no, you can just take the regular bus. And that was five cents per person. So that's something you'll notice in Cuba. There are, There is a really big difference between the prices that tourists pay and the price that a normal Cuban person pays. Uh, and because we were with a Cuban person who understood that, we were able to get a much better price. What's crazy, though, is that on this bus... It was so full that we could not move at all, right? Like, it's just, like, jam-packed with people. Uh, that was fun. That was different. And I don't know if it was, like, an hour away, something like that, an hour, an hour and a half away. But at this point, I was, I think, probably in my early 20s. I had already traveled a little bit, so it was not a big deal for me. And I remember walking through the city we walked into a couple of restaurants, we were hungry, but every restaurant told us they didn't have anything to sell, that they were out of the ingredients. So it, it kind of reminded me to that first trip in 1999. And yeah, not too much had changed in those 10 years. And I remember there were soldiers at every corner, like there, there are soldiers everywhere at that time period. I cannot tell you how it is in 2021, but back in 2009, you would see soldiers at every street corner controlling and making sure that um, the tourists were safe and also that there were limited interactions between Cubans and tourists. So I remember the one of the soldiers, he stopped our guide, the Cuban man who was taking us around. And uh, he, he had to come up with a story and say that we were his family from abroad and that he was just trying to show us around. <laughs> so after a couple of minutes, the soldier let him go. What I remember thinking in that trip is, yeah, like Cuba is very, very safe. It's a very safe country if you're a tourist. Um, it's not the same feeling I've had in other Latin American countries. You don't see homelessness. You don't see beggars on the street. You, don't, you won't find people asking you for money and things like that, like you might in other countries. But the consequence of that is... If I feel safe as a tourist, that means that the local population is is being suppressed or they're they're under constant surveillance. And now, like I realize that's probably not an ideal society to live in where there is suppression of people. So there are three points I want to discuss in relation to my trips to Cuba. And the first point is communism communism it's a dirty word especially here in the west and it can 
it brings up a lot of emotions, strong emotions in some people. Some people call it the worst political ideology that has ever been attempted. And in many ways, they're probably right. So we have state surveillance, the lack of free speech, the lack of travel opportunities to leave and to go to other places. It's, there are many reasons to dislike the, the implementation of, of communism in certain countries. And I don't think we can really say that there has been a country in the world that has succeeded under that model. And I, I would kind of say that uh, China's probably not a true communist country in my own interpretation, so I wouldn't put it on that list. So uh, unless maybe someone else can show me an example of where communism has succeeded, I still have not seen it in the world today. But on the other hand, at least in theory, Cuba, in, un, in under their model, they offer free education and healthcare to all of its citizens. Before the revolution, there were extreme levels of poverty and, and the literacy rates were very, very low. People couldn't read, they couldn't write, they didn't have access to healthcare and things like that. And today that has changed. But of course, if we get into the specifics of how their education system works, how their healthcare system works, you will find a lot of problems. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm, I'm trying to hide the real issues that exist within that society and that system. I'm very much aware that even with free education and healthcare, that's not the, the best system. But the point is this. If I take a look around the world at a lot of these developing countries, the fact that many of these poor people don't have access to education or to healthcare. That is in large part what keeps them poor. And until we find solutions to those problems, we will continue to have really high levels of poverty around the world. Right? We can see how in China, oh, like millions and, peop- millions and millions of Chinese people are moving up to the middle class every single year. And a big part of it is an increase in education, increase in the access to healthcare, increase in the access to, to jobs. So at least in theory, the Cuban system tries to do that. Um, in practice, that's a no, another question. But these issues of healthcare, of education, they're really, really important. And I, one of the things that I really love about Germany is the fact that education and healthcare is accessible. Right? And that's, I think, what makes Germany such a, re- such a great place to live is that regardless of your, your social status, poor, rich, middle class, you have access to education that the government does support young people if they want to go to university. They'll give them ba- BAföG, I think is what it's called. So th- these things are available to us here in Germany. So I, I hope that you guys don't take that for granted. The fact that we live in such a great system. It's not a perfect system, but we live in a really great system where education and healthcare care is accessible. Here's a question for you. What is it that you like about the German education and healthcare system? So I'm sure that most of the time we think about the things we don't like. Oh, the education system, it could change because technology is not, the, it hasn't been kept up to date and 
there's a lot of things that could be improved there. So of course, like with negatives, we can talk about that all day. But are there some aspects of the German education and healthcare system that you do like? The second point that I want to discuss is resilience. In spite of the hardships and challenges that Cubans face, I found them to be resilient. So what is it that, what is the meaning of resilient? To be resilient is to be able to adapt and deal with difficult situations. When I was in Cuba for the first time, there was a Cuban man who drove us around. He was like our taxi driver for that trip. The car was really old and it kept stopping. It kept breaking down. I remember my brothers and I, we had to push it a few times. But in spite of that, the man laughed and he smiled and he, he was always telling us jokes. He'd look at it and say, okay, and, and then he would try to fix it and he always did. We always, he always found a way to fix the problems with that car. Life in Germany is relatively comfortable. It's not like that for everybody, but for the vast majority of us here in Germany, life is comfortable. And because of this, we don't really develop resilience. If our, if our internet stops working, what do we do? We complain. If it's snowing or if it's raining outside, we complain. If our boss is unhappy with our performance, we stress out and we don't know how to deal with it. Instead of looking for solutions, we focus on the problems and that consumes our mind and it leads oftentimes to burnout. Right? It's a very popular word here in, in, in the West. There's a song by the great Cuban musician Celia Cruz and it goes like this. These are the lyrics of the song. Anyone thinking that life is unfair needs to know that's not the case. That life is beautiful, you must live it. Anyone thinking he's alone and that it's bad needs to know that's not the case. That in life, no one is alone. There is always someone. Oh, there's no need to cry because life is a carnival. It's more beautiful to live singing. Oh, there's no need to cry for life is a carnival and your pain goes away by singing. Resilience. It's something we could all learn from the Cuban people. So my question to you is, how resilient are you? Do you stress in difficult situations or are you able to stay calm and composed? The third point I want to discuss is freedom. I've met many Cubans in Canada and what they most appreciate about Canada is the freedom they have to work, live and travel wherever they want. I think humans are like birds. We're meant to be free. We're, we're meant to fly wherever the wind takes us. And it's only when someone puts us into a cage that we realize how valuable our freedom is. For example, right now in times of corona, we realize that what we had before, the ability to travel, to move around, to go to restaurants, now that we don't have it, we realize how valuable it is. The fact that I can share my opinions on the internet, I don't have to be afraid of government censorship. I don't have to be afraid of having the police come in and stop me for my opinions and for my views. Like This thing that we have in Germany, in Canada, a freedom of speech, is something I wish everyone in the world had as well. When my wife graduated high school, she moved to Costa Rica for a year. The German government paid her FSJod, which is that volunteer year that many Germans do. She comes from a middle-class family. They're not rich. They don't have a lot of money. But the German government made it possible for her to travel abroad for one year. They gave her 150 euros every month. This is something that many young people in this country do. Every year, millions and millions of Germans, they travel abroad. 
Some of them go for, for tourism, others for work, to live. And we take that as selbstverständlich. We take it for granted. Oh, yeah, of course we can do that. But think about all the people around the world who don't have that same luxury, who don't have those same freedoms that you and I have here in this country. There's a quote by, the, by Nelson Mandela, and it says, For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. We will not truly be free until all of us are free, until all of us, until the vast majority of us have the opportunity to travel, to live, to work, wherever we want. Right? And maybe what I'm, what I'm explaining here is a utopia, is, is something unrealistic. But it is, uh, it's not fair. <laughs> it's not a fair system. And it's something that I wish would change. My question to you is, how do you define freedom? So let's do a recap. The first thing we talked about was communism. Right? It is a word that we've learned to hate here in the West. But even within such a system, there is still that focus on education and healthcare, which is crucial for a society that wants to progress, for a society that wants to be healthy. And these are issues that we should also promote here, regardless of what political um, um, position we take. Healthcare, education for all is going to lead us forward. The second point was resilience. It's this ability that Cuban people have to adapt and the ability that they have to look for solutions instead of focusing on problems. That's something that I, I wish we could all learn from and become more resilient. It will help us be happier, healthier, more vibrant human beings. And the third point was freedom. We're all meant to fly. We're all meant to be birds and, and to be able to live the life that we want to have. But unfortunately, it's not a reality for the vast majority of people on this planet. So how can we work together to create a world that is more free, that allows for people to live up to their potentials and, and to live the life that they want. I'm interested to get your answers to the following question. How resilient are you? If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share it with your friends. If you're interested in improving your business English, you can check out and subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Canadian Wants to Know. That's it for this episode. Also, bis nächstes Mal.